Hello, everyone. Welcome to Timeless Voyager, where the knowledge is timeless and you are the Voyager. I am your host, Bruce Stephen Holmes. Today's guest is Amazon best-selling author Ellie Molina, international concierge advisor to former heads of state, public figures, celebrities, business professionals, and trusted mentor to seekers. She has appeared on network TV discussing intuitive development and has recently created a certified program for adults called the Academy. Ellie teaches and guides you to work with your own powerful intuitive abilities while introducing you to mind power techniques. She currently appears in a soon to be released documentary, The Galileo Project by filmmaker Betsy Chassie of What the Bleep. Today, we're going to learn about consciousness and awareness and what it takes to move from 3D into 5D awareness through perspective and language. Finally, how consciousness is clearly affected in reality, the material world, and evidenced through images of water, which Ellie is going to show us. We have some pictures of those, and she'll explain the technique. So without further ado, welcome to Timeless Voyager. Hi, Bruce. Thank you for having me back again. It's always exciting to share the work that I'm doing and talk about my favorite subject, which is consciousness and awareness and language. So I just love to talk about this. And thank you for having me today. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I'm, I'm glad we, you know, I <laughs> I lost track of time and I apologize. I wanted to have you on earlier, uh, but I never got around to it. Thank you so much for being here, though, today. Um, how do you want to start? Because that's a lot of information that I uh, talked about and, and what you are promising. So you are in charge. All right. So I'm just going to start this. For the people who have never met me before or don't know a thing about me, I started my career in education, and I was very much interested in language, language acquisition, and the importance of words from a very early age. As I was an immigrant, came to the United States um, as a child and did not speak English until I started in kindergarten. And back in the day, we did not have ESL classes and there was no help for children who didn't speak English. So I was thrust into the classroom and um, had all of those experiences that happen when one does not, when one does not understand the language. So I became really focused on language and started reading the dictionary back in the day and learning about words and what they meant and where they came from, etymology. And this was really something very important to me. And at the same time, I also had highly developed psychic abilities and that is where my focus went to during the years of teaching middle school. And it was really that recognizing that all children have intuitive psychic abilities because that is the way our brains are designed and developed. And that then gets programmed out of us later on in life through education and parents. And, you know, we won't go into that, but it gets programmed out of our lives. And so... 
I really went on a undeclared mission, so to speak, to continue to teach children while I was teaching English that we have these really great superpowers called mind and language. And when we combine these together, we can create magic. And so I ended up teaching, and this is now, I ended up creating a program in a New York City middle school that I was so blessed and allowed to really create. And it was called The Power to Create. And I took middle school, seventh grade middle school children for one year. And I taught them every single Friday in this special class. I taught them about consciousness and awareness and language and the power of the spoken word and manifesting. I just didn't use the word manifesting, or maybe I did back then. And we're talking, this is back in 2007. And from those experiences... When you could actually do things like this in schools without getting involved with problems with parents, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this was that's why this whole thing was so unique. And it was New York City also. Sure. And so that it was an enrichment program. And, of course, we worded the language so differently that it wasn't considered psychic work. We were just working with manifestation, creating reality. And remember the, the secret had come out in 2005. So it was already a little bit more, I'm not going to say accepted. It was still very out there, but I was working in a framework of creating something for the children that was going to change their lives. Okay. The power of belief. So they, they ended up having, um, my classes ended up like in that movie, Stand and Deliver. The classes ended up having the highest test scores in language arts in the seventh grade for the district. So then it was the conversation went, okay, Melina, what are you doing in your classroom? And it was, well, we're doing affirmations. We're learning about belief systems. We're learning that if we speak to ourselves, uh, we can alter the reality. And um, anyway, fast forward, it really launched like an entire thing in my head. Head, and then I left New York City, moved to Washington State, where I had the opportunity to teach and then later co-found this magic school for children. And I call it magic school because we were allowed to teach neuroscience. We were allowed to teach blindfold archery. We were allowed to teach telepathy and telekinesis. And again, the power of language and the power of the mind. So it, and consciousness and awareness. So it was an incredible experience. And that then... Let me, let me interrupt for a second. Yeah. Blindfold archery. Yes. Tell me a little bit about it, because I'm sure everybody was shocked when they heard that. I think it <laughs> woke everybody up for a second. All right. So imagine this. The Tibetans back in the day would do blindfold archery. You take blindfolds, you put them over your eyes. Okay. And then what we do is we see the target here in your third eye. You don't need your eyes to see the target. You see the target here. And so what we do is we, the target, imagine I'm kind of using my body over here, but imagine if the target were in that direction. So my body faces away from the target my arms go to the target. I have one good look at it first, and then my arms are in alignment with where the target is, but my sight, I'm blindfolded. My sight is in the opposite direction, and through using your third eye with practice, okay, we hit the targets. 
And unless you have an experience like this, it won't make sense. Only it is very um, common for the children to be able to do it. And of course, for the adults to be able to do it as well, once they start practicing and training this third eye movement. So what I asked you is because I was not aware of it. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of people aren't aware of that. That's a thing. Okay. And to be able to navigate and to see there's a lot of research was done on this in books and everything uh, years ago in India. And it's really being able to navigate without the use of your eyesight. You're using your third eye to navigate. And there are programs out there seeing in the dark, uh, being able to, that's, but that's a whole other conversation. And there are programs out there that teach that. And that is part of what we were teaching also was to be able to see without, without using your eyesight. So look, this is just a tangent, but I like to swim and I go swimming as often. I'm the one who did this. What? I I interrupted you and had you go this direction, but. Well, I'm going to just share this because if and this is a this, this is training that anybody can do, and so if you have access to a swimming pool, and you can pick a point on the other side with your eyes open first, choose a point, and then close your eyes. If you're swimming underwater, however you do it, you close your eyes and you visualize yourself with your third eye going to that point that you have chosen on the other end of the pool. And then you will know if you're, obviously, if you're hitting the rope or you're hitting into somebody else, you know that you're not on in di- on your direction. With practice, you will be able to go that you will be able to swim using your third eye to the other end of the pool. It's just practice. Phenomenal. Now there's, there's one more thing about this. This had been proven also when you're doing your targets or you're swimming or you're picking a point and you go off to your left, your thoughts are not in the present moment and you are not aligned. You are in the future. And if you're going into the right side, you're going into your past. And so you know exactly where your thoughts are at that moment in time. So it's really great exercise for mental training as to what is it to take to be present and to train your third eye so that you can enhance your psychic ability. Anyway, just uh, some of the stuff that, that I teach. Good. That was good. I like it. <laughs> A little tangent over there. <laughs> so let's continue the in, in the other direction. But that was... That was very important. I'm glad we underlined that. Yeah, it, well, it's very fascinating stuff to do. I mean, you know, if you want to, you can blindfold yourself a little bit and walk around your house and practice if you can see without your eyes. Just be careful that you don't stub your toe, you know, wear shoes. Okay, but um, it's, a good, it's a good practice to start to do things with that because we used to teach the kids how to start reading without their eyes. There's an entire schools that are out there that teach children how to read without their eyes. But that, again, is a whole other conversation. And so back to creating reality now through words. So this was where I started going down this direction. And I ended up writing a book about these experiences working with the children. And the book is was an Amazon bestseller. It's called Children Who Know How to Know. And um, that just took me on this big quest Bruce, to teach consciousness, to teach awareness, to teach the power of language, to teach how 
you know, we were always saying, yeah, thoughts create reality. Well, many people are saying thoughts create reality. Only do we really think about what it is that we are saying? And is there an intentionality behind our words? And that is where I started going down into into um, looking at ways that language and thought and sound can then be crystallized into reality, into 3D. And so that's kind of where I was going to go right now first before I talk about leaving 3D and entering 5D. Okay, so it's basically, oh, let's look at some of the proof, okay? And um, back in the day, before in the 80s, I believe it was, there was a man named Cleve Baxter, and he did experiments with plants. And he attached them to EEG machines, and he discovered that plants respond to our thoughts and they respond to our intentions. So you'll hear a lot of times, you know, people say, oh, play classical music for your plants and talk to your plants nicely and they will respond better. Well, that happens to be true. And so Cleve did all of this research on plants and on their emotions. And it turns out that the plants are sophisticated enough to respond to an intention. So he had the plants hooked up and he did so many tests and this is all documented. You just have to research on Cleve Baxter if anybody's interested, um, the secret life of plants. So he had them hooked up to these machines and then he set the intention, I'm going to take a match and I'm going to burn you. And the machine started going crazy. And then he hooked up different and he hooked them up to different plants and they all started going. The response was they were communicating with each other. And then when he did burn a plant, when he did burn a leaf, the other plants started shaking also in fear and fear. I call it fear. Okay. But anyway, they were doing something. There was communication going on. They were responding not only to the intention, but they were also responding to the actual act. So again, this brings us back to consciousness. Consciousness is in the energy field, there's and there is, it's not just everything is in our mind and what we speak and it's our 3D. No, we are. This is that connection that goes much deeper than who we think we are. So the plants. This was you know done with the plants. So that started. Um, bringing me into awareness of plants and responding and working with plants in terms of, you know, how I grow my plants. I've got, you know, and then I did these experiments with the children. And then that led me to the next thing that came along, which was Dr. Emoto, which was the hidden messages of water. So when he came out with that book, and I think it was 2004 or five, I'd have to go look and see when that book was written. He discovered that water in ice, when water turns into ice and you have words and you basically set an intention for the water, the water starts to crystallize. So if you were to put water and then freeze it on a piece of paper that says love, it will form different crystals than if you were to take water and put it on a piece of paper that says hate or ugly. And the crystals, it was unanimous and his results were across the board, this is what he got. And then he published his book and many people went out and started doing work 
following what he was doing. And so um, this was really fascinating. And I did a lot of this work with the children also, just so that they could understand the power of water and that water does carry hidden messages and that water is such a vital part of our life, which then led me to the work of Veda Austin, who is um, avant-garde in this area right now and doing remarkable things in showing how water really has messages for us and water takes on, water can answer questions, water takes on a consciousness, water really does incredible things. And so by even taking your water, for example, like this and holding it, you know, between your hands and saying a prayer to your water, you can start to infuse health into your body. Again, the consciousness. And this is all, you know, again, we can see this because you know how some people, some people don't want to just take it all, you know, Oh, yeah, I believe that. All right. I want to see some proof here. So Veda Austin has incredible techniques and in oh, incredible footage. And she's speaking. She she really speaks well at both scientific and conferences in and also in the spiritual realm. So she's able to combine her work so that it it works on both platforms, whereas sometimes it's not considered just pseudoscience. It's really documented and it is scientific and it's fascinating. So I started experimenting with it myself, which is um, some of the work that you have in front of you. So, and I'll talk about that if you want to bring up those slides. Let's start with slide, with slide A, okay? Let's start with the one with the big A in it. All right. Now, this was my very first experiment using Veda's technique. And Veda outlines her technique on her website. And um, all it is is a glass Petri dish, and it is water. And the water is then put to a certain level. There's an intention set on this. And then the water's frozen. And a regular iPhone can then photograph the images. And as you see here, there is a really big A in this water, which totally, totally blew me away. And why? I went to my water filter. And my water and took this water from my water filter, and my water filter is called Aqua True. All right. And I there obviously before I froze the water, I didn't see anything. Okay, it's just water. So I took the water, put it in the freezer, froze it, and then when I came out and I looked at the image, it was holy moly, there's this huge A in here. I mean, I think. I think you can see it too. Is that correct? Can you see it? Can you see an A? Um, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I'm operating with a very small screen. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I, I can see it for a second. I'll look. I see a really big A right there, and um, it's pretty much smack in the middle of the of the slide. All right. So that to me was like, oh, holy moly! I see an A from this is the aqua true water from the water filter now if you look at the next slide that's regular tap water 
And look at the difference between the crystallized form of the filtered water and the tap water. If you put them next to each other, you'll see a real difference between, between the two of them. And they were frozen right next to each other, same amount of time. You see this one is clear with an A in there. And the other one is cl uh, cloudy, murky, and tight. You just see it, you, you know. I don't, it's dense. This is dense. And the other one is not as dense as this. And it's just what, this is tap water from Long Island, New York. And the other is water, water from a, the Aquatru, um reverse osmosis water filter. And there's, there's, to me, there's like, you could say, oh, I don't see a difference, but I do. And um, I've seen I don't do these experiments the same way as Veda does. She does them over time a lot. She even sees, um, she even has hydroglyphs, which is the language. And that's a whole other thing I'm not going to get into right now. Only there, the more that you work with these, the more you can see that language starts to take on the intention, even if you're not conscious of the intention around it. So, Let's go to the next two slides, all right, because now I've started playing around with this technique. And all right, that is the result of me putting the water on. Can you show the pattern? So I took water and I put the Petri dish with the water on this pattern and I left it on the pattern for, I would say, five minutes. That was all. And then I put the water just into the freezer and remember when one of the things when you're doing this experiment and you're doing this yourself anybody can do it with the petri dish that when you're looking at the water after it's been on the pattern you're still not going to see anything you see nothing until after it is frozen so the water was sitting on this on this pattern for a few minutes and then if you can show the pattern again the water i'm sorry if you go back and show the water slide you see, the, there's, you can hold it the different direction, but you, there's definitely a pattern there. And I mean, even compare it to the A of the water, the first, the, you know, if you want to compare it to the other, the other two slides, you can definitely see a pattern here. So the water took the shape of the pattern that it was on. And, you know, if you think back to even Bruce Lee, you know, like one of his favorite quotes, be water, my friend, you know, from the longest time, people knew, people knew that water has consciousness. And, you know, now we're able to take a look at it and see without having to have high powered microscopes to do this. And the, just, it's, it's a fascinating thing. So I took water from two bottles. One bottle was from Turkey that I had gone to um, so one bottle was this, I'm just going to show you, I'm going to hold it up. If you can see that image over here, it is the image of mother Mary with the baby. And this water was collected from a well in Turkey at the site of where Mary is supposed to have lived the rest of her life after the death of Jesus. And it's not far from Ephesus. And so I took this water and I froze it and in the image, which is on Facebook, on my Facebook page, um, in the image, it you can actually see that at the very bottom of the image, it looks as if there were a womb and 
or I can see the image of a woman holding a child. I mean, one person said it looked like a womb. I saw a woman holding a child. So I said to myself, you know, I said this took on the image of Mary and her child. And then the second bottle came from supposedly it came from it was purchased online, okay, and it was taken from the Jordan River, and um, that water had a very different crystalline form to it. It was almost in as if there were the tree of life was present in that one, which I thought was interesting. So, again, you know, I don't know if the water really came from the Jordan River because I got it on Amazon. Only the picture um, does have a tree. The picture on the bottle itself had a, a picture of a tree of life. So for the water then to take on the shape, very similar to that photo of the tree of life, was very remarkable for me. So anyway, getting back to, do you have any questions for me so far about any of this? No, actually, I'm really, I'm, I'm engrossed and I'm just watching and, and listening. So, so here's the thing, you know, if you get yourself a Petri dish, you order yourself a glass Petri dish about nine inches, I think, in, um, or nine centimeters. Um, you can email me. I'll tell you exactly. That's a big difference. Nine inches or nine centimeters. No, I think nine centimeters. You saw the size of that Petri dish. I did. never get this in my freezer <laughs> if it's nine inches. Well, nine inches like that. You'll fit it in your freezer, but it's not nine inches, okay? Um, you can see on the Petri dish, all right, that was a slip of tongue over there. Um, anyway, so with all of these experiments that I've been doing, the reason why I get fascinated by this is, for me, it is more proof that our language, our consciousness, we're all connected, and that we can really influence matter far beyond our own belief system of, yeah, of influencing matter and things around us. We just don't pay attention to it. We don't set intentions. We go about our day and many times we go about our day unconsciously in what I call the default. And then we get the results of the psychic sea. And what is the psychic sea? The psychic sea is mass consciousness. It's when we're not setting an intention, we're not being intentional with our language, with where our energy goes, where our thoughts are going. And we're just part of the big psychic sea and we're going to get default. And um, having these experiences and looking at how language can be um, crystallized and how thoughts can be then crystallized in water. And again, this is just a little bit another, another tangent over here, but even a lot of work was done um, by musician Nigel Stanford, and he did something called the somatics. Okay. This is where we take, um, we take words and you can put it in, on sand and you can see how this all shows itself. It's somatics. It's visualizing audio frequencies and it makes sound visible. And Nigel Stanford, he's a modern day musician, was able to do this. And it shows the power of the word again, sound frequencies and the way that the sand forms these patterns according to the sound, the frequency and the words you are using. Um, just incredible work again. So 
to say that there is no consciousness and that there's no energy attached to language and to words, you know, it's that's that's so beyond me in terms of how much more proof do we need? All right. C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S, somatics. Okay. Mm-hmm. So where I'm going to go is back uh, a few minutes ago. Because uh, I'm sure are you, you're familiar with the, uh, the term. Oh, it's called entanglement. That's right. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what entanglement basically is, for those who may not know, um, and and the and, the, and the, the issues that come up right now when you talk about quantum mechanics is that there are a lot of people in in all sides of science. Some people are quantum mechanics believers. Some are not. Some, you know, but but they all know that quantum mechanics works. What they don't agree on is whether the quantum field can be replicated in what we would call the the material field where we live. Um, When I was listening the other day to uh, Deepak Chopra, who I I like a lot, and we were, uh, he was talking about entanglement. And the issue with entanglement is, and I'm going to use the word knows loosely, but everything knows what everybody, what everything knows Everything is connected. Everything is on, is on the same page. We as humans, especially those of us that are full of certain amounts of intellect and uh, bias, think that only we have that experience. But entanglement says the entire system is completely connected and knows what's going on. So when you were talking about the concept of the plants, for instance, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, It surprised me then. I don't know how many years ago that was. Was that 20 years ago, roughly, or something like that? 30. That at least. And so in those days, yeah, I was surprised. Now, in hindsight, I'm not surprised at all. As a matter of fact, um, those people that watch the show know that I've been reading the Brahma Sutras for about six months or so finally just about finished. But it's interesting because in the Brahma Sutras, they talk about this all of the time. The fact that there is, and they say, there is one mind. Mm -hmm. That's it. One mind. Everybody else, that's us, has this delusion that the thoughts that are going through are ours personally. No one else has those thoughts. When in reality or maybe not reality yet, but in my reality, (laughs) all those thoughts are shared by everyone at different times. There's trillions of thoughts. So, I mean, it's not like you would necessarily have the same thoughts as somebody else, but you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The 
point I'm making is that if entanglement is true, which I believe it is, and over 5,000 years ago, the Brahma Sutras and the Upanishads talk about the one mind, then it then all everything works out pretty easily, doesn't it? If you go to a if you go to a psychic, for instance, you say to yourself, "How do the psychic know?" Blah 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 blah. Well, the answer is because the psychic is able to intuit the entanglement that's already there. Just that I can't see it, or you can't see it, or they they see it, or here, and you know, I don't. The point I'm making, though, is this. Um, it should not come as a surprise then that water, along with probably all fluids, who knows? All fluids, all fluids. Are, 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 are able to pick up messages and show them if you want to look. Mm-hmm. You know, the question is, how far does a person want to go down this quote-unquote rabbit hole? Right now, it's a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, of course, I, of course, being the timeless voyager... <laughs> <laughs> live in the la- in the rabbit hole. So, <laughs> but the point I'm making is, this information that you're talking about, very very believable in my world, and certainly a lot of the people that watch the show. Mm-hmm. Little, yeah. And you know, just to get back to your question, where does one want to go with this information? Mm-hmm. Um, myself personally, well, I'm done. Okay, like you know, if I feel like it, I'll go. How you know, only. Veda, from what I understand, is taking this now into a different dimension. Into a different dimension, she's now taking this um, into reading the language of water. That there, she's got research on hydroglyphs. The same way that we have hieroglyphs, there are hydroglyphs. Something like if she gets the same image over again for, let's say, an image for love. I got my questions about this myself, okay? But here's what she says, okay? She gets the same image over and over and over again. Then that becomes a word for her because that is the crystallized form. But then that has me wondering, and I'm just thinking this is like me personally, but if it's coming then from, it's got to be coming from other people in order to have that word be different. Does that make sense? Because otherwise, if it's coming from her energy, you're going to get, you may get the same thing over and over again. I just thought Coming back to what I just said, mm-hmm. if there's if there's one mind, mm-hmm. and everybody's right. sharing the information, who mm-hmm. may not be people may not be aware of it, but it's it's available for anybody that wants to have it. Right. But it's not that it's their personal information. That's that's the point that I was making, and I, I'm not, I'm going to get off this because it's it's not really that important, I think. But nobody it is. Well, actually, okay. it is. Actually, it is because that's what we call in my world. That's what what I call the psychic C, S E A. That okay. is the one mind, and we're all tapped into it. And it's well, like we're not. We're not okay, and I'm not. I'm not uh, disagreeing. Yeah, not, no, I'm just. I'm on the same page as you are. I'm on yeah, the same. Page. I realize that, and I'm just saying, just to expand on it. Yeah. We're not really just tapping into it it's all we have that's what i'm trying to say like like if you come up with something that you think is your idea and nobody else knows this idea and you're and, and of course in capitalism you can actually patent it <laughs> right and then yeah, and you know i just yes you're right it is we're just one mind we're just all part of one mind and if you remember um 
Eat, Pray, Love author Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth Gilbert, when she wrote her last book, Big Magic, she said, she talked about ideas, that somebody gets an idea and the idea travels and it'll go down to you. And if you do not take action on that idea, it's like a balloon, right? The or whatever, the idea then goes back and it'll go to somebody else and it'll keep moving. It'll just keep moving until a human or someone takes that idea and runs with it. So that's why you'll hear so many times you'll say, oh, you know, I had that idea five years ago, but I never did anything, right? right. It was like, well, that idea went somewhere to somebody who was going to do something with it. So it, again, it, it's just part of the one mind it's exactly. stuff. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. And I love that world, this world, our world. Okay. All right. So if we're looking at 3D now, there are ways, okay, if we're looking at 3D, one mind, there are ways in my in my world view of this one mind, okay, that we can start to navigate out of heavier 3D energy into, into uh, can I call it 5D? I don't even know if 5D exists, honestly, okay? Into, oh, it exists. The question is, do you want to use it or not? <laughs> okay, well, to then move into a realm of higher consciousness where miracles, miracles and the unexpected and the extraordinary can happen faster, more rapidly than in a denser field where most of us in the psychic world, psychic realm, okay, in the one mind reside based on our language. So, and this ties into, now if we go back and we look at frequency, right? So if we're looking at, if we're looking at the work that Nigel Stanford did, and we see in, in somatics that the somatics yes that that science can visualize the audio frequencies well then the same it makes sound visible so the same thing is with our language that it then can start to vibrate we do you know we can start to vibrate at an at a different frequency and it can take us out of a denser third dimensional reality into a lighter if you want to call it 5d or you can take just another dimension an alternate dimension where things happen faster things happen that are more miraculous and more extraordinary and one of a beautiful example of just looking at 3d perspective and being able to change that is in the video that was sent to me by one of the participants in the academy and I sent that, you know, I created a program called the Academy and I ran it as an experiment this past year for five months. And we basically focused 99% um, on language and ontology. So it was linguistics and ontology, being the study of being and language for the participants to become so consciously aware that they were then able to take their intentions and through language and being and create an alternate reality for themselves and then have that matched by the way that other people were responding to them. Their inside world, again, reflected in their outside world. And we read about this all the time in books and, you know, yada yada does this and take this course and do that. Here was an experiment that I did with these people, these people, with the people in the academy. And together, we just had no expectation other than to do this work and let it guide us to where we were going to be going. 
And it was just incredible. The results were are still going on and the results are just absolutely incredible with what people have created for themselves through conscious, and I'm serious, Bruce, high level conscious awareness and an alternative, an alternate vocabulary and conscious use of how we use language. It was phenomenal. Hey, I believe it. <laughs> it is timeless Voyager. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But one of the things, if there's a, if there's, um, if you can show the video, that would really, it might help or we don't need to, up to you. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. All right. Many of my creations are inspired by science and technology. In Stephen Hawking's The Grand Design, I read about the story of pet owners being barred from keeping goldfish in curved boat in an Italian city. It is said that placing a fish in a curved boat would distort its view of reality. So I took a piece of crystal and gave the curve of a fishbowl. I carved on it a school of goldfish. On the outside, I create colorful corals. Now, are they in a fishbowl or are they in the sea? In a way, it is a philosophical question. What is real and what is not? How do we decide which version of reality is indeed the ultimate reality? When I was a monk, I meditated every day. And when I did, I experienced all kinds of colors and visions. Were they real? Perhaps not, but my experiences were as real to me as my own flesh and bones. If you ask me, nothing is real and nothing is unreal. There it is. Yeah. And take as long as you thought it was going to take. <laughs> I probably sent you the shorter one. Okay. There's well, the one. well, the one you sent worked. It was good. All right. And um, your comments on it. Okay. So, one of the interesting things is this was sent to me after I had completed, after we completed the academy and we had done five months of work and then someone in the academy came across this video and it pretty much summed up the five months of work that we had been doing. And I'm gonna go explain some of that to you right now. So we started looking at our lives in the container and unbeknownst to me that there was a video out there with a former monk who had put fish in a gold a fish tank like that and done this work i saw i always have a visual that we as humans are living in a fishbowl that's how it appears to me in my world i see us in a fishbowl we bump up and we don't realize again and you could be putting those colors in and we think we're going somewhere else and then it does appear differently so i was like i asked myself a question, what would it look like and what would it take to become so consciously aware through language and intentionality and awareness to be able to leave, recognize what keeps us in that fishbowl linguistically with thoughts and language and what might allow us to leave that fishbowl 
and maybe jump into an ocean or a sea where we could live. Um, again, maybe I'm just looking at it as putting some some beautiful glass into the fishbowl and thinking that it's distorted or that it's a different, re- a different viewpoint. However, I was willing to go down this road and I was and I had 12 people with me, 11 people with me who were also willing to embark on this experiment. And we identified, we identified, I'm not going to go into all of it now, but we identified certain words and phrases that keep us locked in a world view that there is always something wrong that needs to be fixed. And so we identified those words. We identified all of the behaviors that go with these words and language. And then we created um, language. And I don't mean create language that we came up with our own words. We selected words that would then take us into a different direction that would then result in a different outcome. And through this work, the more that we did it, the more aware we became, the more we altered our language. And this altering of language and viewpoint was really challenging. I'm not, you know, for it is not something that comes so naturally because we have been raised to see the world in the fish tank. We have been raised, you know, you see it, somebody looks at you and they, you're not smiling on that particular day. And the first thing they ask you is what's wrong, which then assumes that there's something wrong. Well, there's nothing wrong. You're just not smiling. I mean, we're going to get into why you're not smiling. Anyway, from that point on, that was basically the jumping ground, the jumping point from like, Things do not need to be wrong. Things are just what they are, okay? It is what it is. And if it is what it is, then what could it look like in language and conscious awareness if we took it is what it is and then created something that we really set our intentions on to create that as what is? And it was done through language, I'm telling you, it was, this was the hardest thing that I have ever done probably in my life, was to be so aware of my thoughts and my language and to use each word consciously going through the day and to be so highly aware of what I was saying and what was coming out of my mouth so that it would be in alignment with what I said or where I said I wanted to go out of this fish tank into that sea and then to be able to teach it and do it. Um, and the results, I have to tell you the results of the people in the group who really took it on and practiced this and went with it were astounding. And, um, yeah, I mean, you could say, oh, they created, they created new businesses for themselves. They created businesses that exceeded their own expectation. It was all done consciously. They created relationships that exceeded their expectations again, their expectations of what was possible in a relationship. Because now we're working at looking at what is created in a relationship when there's a high level of awareness and emotional maturity, as opposed to being in the default fish tank of just responding to or reacting, okay, and just being so conscious. It was pretty complicated stuff. I'm not going to lie. It was five months of work and a lot of research on my end. And uh, I'm we're happy. And that's about summing it up. <laughs> it's like, 
it sounds so vague and everything like that. Only it's uh, not easy to explain these things, but I think anyone who is is watching the show um, hopefully has been on some kind of a retreat or something where they understand the concepts. So I think you've you've I think you've did a fine job. Look, we are basically out of time, <laughs> not completely. Um, you've got about three five minutes if you'd like to kind of wrap it up <laughs> you're looking at me like <laughs> i think i said it all <laughs> i don't well, know do you have yeah, something well, to add well if if anybody is interested in if anyone is interested in exploring this world and this phenomena of leaving a world where there's something wrong and it's hard and I have to do this to get ahead. And, you know, um, if you're feeling stuck, if you're really feeling stuck, there is a world that is available through language and ontology that is available for people who want it. And I will be teaching the Academy again in January, beginning of January, 2024. And if anybody's interested, all they need to do is contact me and then I'll give details, what it looks like, what you'll learn and um, you'll take it from there. If it calls to you and this is something that you want to, you know, pursue. I also look at it as moving away from a lot of the quote unquote spiritual work that is going on right now on the planet. This is a whole different entity. If that, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. First of all, I just want to say, you did a great job, and I appreciate it. And I know that the, those who watch the show are probably going to watch it, want to watch it again. So thanks for for, for being here today. You, you gave us a tremendous amount of information. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks right. for having me. Okay. All right. For the rest of you, and I am not excluding Ellie, I just want to say this, and, and it's just my usual thing that I say. Um, but it's not that it's not important. Thank you for watching and listening to the Timeless Voyager series podcast. Uh, we're on video players like uh, YouTube and audio players like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. Uh, one thing you can do to support the growth of the Timeless Voyager series is to hit that like button. Uh, share it. Share it with your friends and family and anyone else. We really appreciate that. And, of course, comment. Uh, comments are so important. And please subscribe. It really helps to keep the podcast on the internet so that I can keep producing content like the program you've just watched and or listened to. Also, uh, these uh, actions that you can perform for us uh, are very important uh, because they trigger algorithms that help grow the Timeless Voyager channel. And remember, there's no obligation, and these actions are free. My name is Bruce Stephen Holmes, and I hope that your own personal voyage through life towards the development of your highest potential is a joyous and successful one.
You.